Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash earnings right now. NetSuite.com slash earnings. This is Bloomberg Business of Sports. Talk about some of the more interesting aspects of business of sports. There's all kinds of cool questions, so this is a fun topic to make. The country is finally getting the memo about how amazing this sport is. I think the sky's the limit for MLS. We're spending more and more of our time in a digital world, and it's also becoming a really powerful place for commerce. It is so nice to be back and to be able to have fans back in the building. So despite the chaotic schedule, this is why we do what we do. When you get into the playoffs, there's nothing better as a player and excitement and it's also for the organization sponsors involved bloomberg business of sports from bloomberg radio this is the bloomberg business of sports show we explore the big money issues in the world of sports i'm michael barr i'm scarlett foo and i'm mike lynch coming up today we are going next gen we're catching up with candy digital ceo scott lowen his company has teamed up with Major League Baseball operating the league's official NFT and digital collectible ecosystem. That is straight ahead on the Bloomberg Business of Sports show. But first, let's take a look at some of the top stories of the week. And we've got a bunch of them. I want to start. You know why I know this is going to work about Activision? Because my son, my 17-year-old <laughs> son, said, Dad, did you hear about Activision? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I, I kind of do it for a living too, son. It's like, yeah, yeah, Call of Duty. Let me show you how to play Call of Duty. <laughs> and that's when I had to stop right there. But Microsoft has agreed to buy Activision Blizzard for $95 a share. Uh, and when you add it up, that's about $68.7 billion, Scarlett. Mm. Yeah, and this is really about Microsoft uh, making a bid to stake its claim in the metaverse. Uh, Video games is obviously the way to get there, and by buying Activision, Microsoft becomes the world's third biggest gaming company after Tencent and after Sony. In fact, Sony's shares tumbled after this news. So this is about Microsoft putting its name up there. I mean, you know, uh, Facebook, the company that has now become known as Meta, uh, clearly wanted to push its first mover advantage. But this is Microsoft saying, hold on, we've got something specific here, and we're going to do it through gaming. You know, another uh, business, another industry that uh, the the residue of uh of this pandemic was positive for them. Uh, last year, video game releases were up 64%. 64%. Obviously, a lot of people sitting around looking for things to do accelerated the, the gaming business. I can give you one example. I, I got a new iPad, and I gave my old iPad to my 5-year-old granddaughter, and she said, 
Grampy, does it have Candy Crush on it? That's the only thing she asked. <laughs> and there you go. Candy Crush is part of this whole deal. See, I thought your old iPad was that uh, old notebook you got with that spiral. <laughs> I still got it right here. It's, it's right in front of me right now. But it's really going to be interesting to see what this does for um, the Overwatch League, the Call of Duty League, yeah. all of esports mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, got other names on there. Warcraft, uh, Diablo. There, there are a lot of names in there. That Activision, uh, Blizzard in their in their stable. Uh, by the way, this isn't going to happen like oh next week. The transaction is expected to close in fiscal year 2023. And a lot of regulators need to okay this too. Exactly. So they got to sign off on it. Uh, let's move on now to Scott Boris. And uh, the super agent, yes, super mm-hmm. agent Scott Boris. <laughs> it's like, show me the money, Scott Boris. A free agent shortstop, Carlos Correa, you've heard of him, has hired Scott Boris to represent him, Scarlett. And this is interesting because we know that there's no business being done in Major League Baseball at the moment. So, this is about Carlos Correa setting things up for when uh, negotiations can begin once the work stoppage has ended. But um, it's it's going to be interesting because obviously wherever he ends up, Correa is going to get top dollar because that is what Scott Boris is known for. There's no other method for Scott Boris. It's the top dollar or nothing at all. We thought a few years ago when he had Bryce Harper and he, Harper got uh, $330 million from the Phillies, that would be it. Well, Fernando Tartiz gets 340. Lindor gets 341 from the Mets. Mike Trout gets 360 from the Angels. Wookie Betts gets 365 million from the Dodgers. So you can expect Carlos Carrera to top a deal, total package of more than 365 million dollars. My goodness, is it? and he has been Scott has been doing this. Scott Boris, I guess I should call him Mr. Scott Boris. You make all this yeah. money. Uh, he's been doing this for years. He knows what the heck he's doing. What I wonder about now is we're heading into that work stoppage. How much leverage does he have, Scarlett? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I, it's 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 a very good question. I I don't know how things are going to play out in terms of timing, but Scott Boris, with his wealth of experience, with his years of doing this. Um, we'll position Carlos the right way. I, I think, by the way, if any of our listeners out there know Scott, um, convince him to come on and talk to us and, and explain you know, what it is he does, how he does what he does. We'd love to hear from him. Yeah, have him represent us. Let's see what happens then. <laughs> Forget about that, Scott. <laughs> I know. I'm thinking too small, right? Let's walk right into the boss's office with Scott Man. Boris. <laughs> All three Gonna of us. Going to ask the big boss for a raise. <laughs> <laughs> you know where you can always find him? He's always standing behind the backstop at the Angels games. If really? you look behind the catcher, yeah. there's this little wired fence there, and Scott Boris is always sitting there watching the game. That's his own little private. It's almost like a little like a dugout. Uh, of his own, and he's always there. You can see him. Never miss him. How many games do you think he watches a year? He probably goes to all the Angels games. You know, that's 81 home games. Yeah. He probably goes to uh, – I've never seen an Angel game where he wasn't behind the uh, behind home plate sitting there. Next story is on to Lynchy Maverick Carter, and this is something that uh, is near and dear to you, sir. It is. Maverick Carter uh, It was named to the board of directors of the Red Sox Foundation, which is a charitable arm of the Fenway Sports Group a group that Maverick Carter and LeBron James have been part of since 2010. And this past year, they elevated a notch. Maverick and LeBron James uh, became part owners of the Fenway Sports Group, which is the fourth largest sports group in the planet, valued in March of somewhere just south of $7 billion. 
Uh, Maverick Carter's been a number. He's on a number of charitable boards, and his big thing with charity is just help people. Uh, empowerment is, is the key word that drives him. And I can't think of a better guy to be on this board here. There's a lot of work to be done in every single city around this country, and Boston is no exception. Mm-hmm. And I know the Red Sox. I was over at Fenway Park last night, and uh, they are they're, they're really excited about this announcement. If there's a power ranking in sports, his the arrow next to his name would go straight up. As long as LeBron's playing, I, I don't believe he can own an NBA team, but Maverick Carter and LeBron James, probably with the help of the Fenway Sports Group, will own an NBA franchise very shortly after LeBron James retires. Can you imagine that, by the way? Uh, you, you, obviously, you have Michael Jordan, and he's also in ownership, obviously. Then you get LeBron James in the mix. You get Maverick Carter in the mix. It would change even more the face of the NBA and how it's run. Well, it would be the it'd be the only owner that you couldn't beat in a game of one-on-one if you were a player on the team. <laughs> you can beat Steve Bomber. If you play for the Clippers, you can beat Steve Bomber in one-on-one. You can beat him in a game of horse. But when LeBron James is owning the team, you got zero chance. <laughs> That's him playing with one hand behind his back, yeah, too. You betcha. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Today, we are digging into the world of sports collectibles, not those dusty old baseball cards. We're talking about the next generation digital assets. We're joined by Candy Digital CEO Scott Lowen. Candy Digital is Major League Baseball and the Race Team Alliance's official partner for NFTs and collectibles. Scott, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. Really happy to be here. Okay, so here I go. Uh, old man bar. I'm, I have to be honest. I, I when I wrote the original promo for the show, my first line in there was, <laughs> "You better get with the times if you don't know what an NFT is." Uh, that's me. So, <laughs> what makes this so big with NFTs? So NFTs have been around for quite a while, actually. Uh, sort of 2017 was was uh, regarded as kind of the uh, the first NFTs that were in the marketplace. But the, the technology and the market for collectibles that are digital only had largely been limited to the crypto community. 
And so what changed in 2021 was, uh, I would say, two or three things. One, uh, a tremendous explosion in the issuance and volume of non-fungible tokens. Two, uh, the crossover from the crypto community into the mainstream community. And then three, I would say the strategic shift of all of the content and uh, IP owners to really look at this technology and say, hey, how does this change the game for us in terms of creating product and connecting with our customers? How did you hook up with Major League Baseball? Because your distinction here is that you're the partner of MLB and the Race Team Alliance, so you have access to authentic uh, collectibles. How did that partnership come about? So that's really the, the, the way that we built the business. Um, Candy Digital was formed as a joint venture between uh, Fanatics and Galaxy Digital. So kind of the premier merchant bank in the blockchain and crypto space. Mike Novogratz is Galaxy um, Digital. Exactly. Mike's my old business partner. Uh, and so uh, and we teamed up with Michael Rubin at Fanatics, leading e-commerce platform and sports. And the thesis here was to say, how do we take the technology of blockchain distributed ledger, which largely is in the cryptocurrency world and the decentralized finance world, and how do we bring it out into mass market? Um, Best way to do that is through content and looking at the various content verticals, whether it's art, music, sports, etc. Sports was the one we leaned into. Billions of uh, global fans, passionate fan communities, and a sports collectibles business, not just the dusty baseball cards, but sports memorabilia and things like that, uh, that's obviously decades old and had kind of been turbocharged during the lockdown as people went up into their attics and, and sort of saw what they had. And so you know, we really thought about how, how do you evolve the idea of a collectible, whether it's a trading card, whether it's a signed football, uh, whether it's a ticket stub, and how do you utilize the technology that's provided by an NFT, and an NFT is essentially just a uh, unique ownership of a digital asset that's authenticated, and bring that out to folks in a way that's collectible, meaningful, and can change over time. Um, we told that story. Uh, we, we looked at you know where we saw the marketplace was going, and you know we reached out to uh, the folks at Major League Baseball, um, probably one of the most technologically forward of the leagues in terms of what they'd done in the media side and, and also had done some early stuff in blockchain and really pitched the idea of building a partnership together uh, around this technology. And, and that was that was really the advent of um, our deal with them and uh, kind of the kickoff to Candy's business early in 2021. So, Scott, this is Mike up in Boston. Uh, Major League Baseball, more than any other sport, has uh, a, a rich history of collectibles, baseball cards, autographed baseballs, bats, uniforms, as you said, ticket stubs. What is the next generation looking for in terms of collectibles so, with through NFTs? Yeah, so, so we really rely on that idea of a collectible, something that's scarce, something that's valuable, something that represents, you know, an important moment or an important player. And we try to marry it with the new technology. So the you know the first product that Candy put out was actually a commemorative uh, NFT of the famous Lou Gehrig's, Gehrig luckiest man speech. And you know there's a little bit of poetry there. You, you take one of the one of the key moments in baseball and I'd say even American history, and you marry it with new technology on the blockchain. And so we created a digital bust of Lou. We minted that that famous speech. 
Um, we did that as a, a one-of-one auction uh, and actually raised a bunch of money for ALS charities. So, you know, proved that um, there's, a, there's a, a way to have a positive impact through these products as well. Um, but, you know, that was kind of the, our introduction to the space. As we've moved forward and launched a series of products, really what we're doing is we're evolving some of those traditional collectibles. So if you think about the trading card, we think of trading card 1.0 as the cardboard. We think of trading card 2.0 as the digital picture of the cardboard. And we think about trading card 3.0 as what Candy's creating. And so what we're doing is we're taking all of the digital assets that MLB has, whether those are photographs, video images, uh, motion graphics, sound, digital signatures, and creating a, a digital product that combines that in a new and exciting way, and then layering on top of that utility and gamification. And so the utility element of it um, are dynamic statistics. So for folks who are going to be collecting our next series of, of cards in 2022, if you have the Fernando Tatis card, Every time you pull up your NFT, uh, you'll see his updated batting average, home runs, bases uh, stolen, things like that. And then as, you're, as a collector, as you build your collection, you can unlock interesting rewards, which might be tickets to the game. It might be a meet and greet. It may be uh, a physical signed object. And so we really think about this evolution of collectibles as not just digital only, but connecting back to the physical side of the business as well as the experiential side. Kind of explained a lot there because with the NFT, it's more than just the likeness. You can get special bonus prizes with this that I was not aware of with the uh, NFTs. Yeah, absolutely. That's not 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 all NFTs have that baked in, but you know our our view here is we're creating products that we want to be have be accessible and interested to the everyday fan, and so crossing that digital, physical, and experiential divide is kind of core to Candy's strategy. I got to bring up a quote that Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban recently made. And he said, the fact that you can take a digital file, audio, video, picture, whatever, and not only mint it to sell it, but also attach royalties to it. And when he said that, I'm like, wow, it made perfect sense to an old guy like me. But we kind of touched on it a little earlier. Can you expand more on Mark Cuban's comment? Yeah, I think what Mark is, is talking about is, is both from the creator side as well as from the licensor side. And so if you think about, you know, kind of dialing it back, the promise of, you know, what we call Web3 and blockchain technology, uh, if you're a creator of an asset, let's just say you're an, an artist, you, you, you paint your painting, you sell it, hopefully you get a good price for it. And then, you know, 30 years later, it's worth a million dollars. That artist doesn't see any of that along the way every time it trades hands. When you move into the world of digital assets and blockchain, uh, blockchain NFTs uh, are minted with what's called a smart contract. And in that smart contract, there's a royalty structure. And generally speaking, the way the royalty structure works is that every time that asset trades hands, there's a royalty that flows back to the creator or to the licensor. So now as a digital artist, not only are you selling your, your digital art for $100 or $1,000, but every time that trades and changes hands over time, you're getting a bit of that royalty as the price appreciates. And so it really puts a tremendous amount of power sort of back in the hands of creators and IP owners. So with our partnership with Major League Baseball, 
every time we sell an NFT, um, we share in the royalties because we use their marks and we use the name and image and likeness of the players through the Players Association. But then as those assets change hands over time, there's a royalty stream there in perpetuity as well. So it's really an exciting business model for creators and, and licensors. What about the future professional athletes, the college athletes? Are they creators? Are they IP owners here? Absolutely. So, um, yeah, obviously there was a significant change last year in the NIL laws. Uh, Candy was really the first company to put out a project focused on college student athletes. We call it our Sweet Futures product line. Um, and the first iteration of that was we worked with 22 of the top college football players. Um, and we, and the, the thesis around that was really creating their first collectible. This was their first trading card. Uh, but it wasn't a physical card. It's a digital card. And so, you know, back to what we chatted about a little bit earlier, we created three different versions of that. One of them was just a digital collectible. Uh, one of them was one that had a physical item associated with it. And one of it was a, an auction that included a video chat with the player. So part of the excitement of this space is not just a new series of collectibles, but it's actually ways to connect the athletes directly with their fans, whether it's sort of one-to-one or through information or, or conversation. Scott, who, who, who makes up your, your client list? Are they investors? Are they collectors? Are they curiosity seekers? Are they cryptomaniacs? Who are they? All of the above. I think you, you must have read our pitch deck. Now, we I did. Our, uh, <laughs> our, our, our community kind of first and foremost uh, lives in the world of Discord. You know, Discord has kind of become the online space, the online chat room for folks who are interested in digital asset product projects. And you know, we have uh, a pretty broad list of, of folks who are interested. We have folks who are traditional sports fans, traditional baseball fans, collectors of physical memorabilia, who have kind of woken up to this new space um, and, and are involved. Uh, I had a great conversation uh, with one of them who'd been a 60-year-old collector, had a monster collection. Uh, he focused on some of the earliest baseball cards, the tobacco cards, the Honus Wagners of the world. He said, you know, if I could take a time machine and go back 100 years knowing what I know now and have collected all those, you know, I, I would have done very well for myself. And I see NFTs as basically being at the beginning of that journey. And so he's excited about that space. Um, we have crypto native folks who, you know, love blockchain, love the idea of decentralized ownership and love baseball. They're super excited. We're, we're giving them two things they love and bringing them together. And then we have folks who are curious. Um, you know, part of Candy's thesis is you, you don't need to know anything about blockchain or have a digital wallet or own any Bitcoin. You got to show up with uh, an email and a credit card and you can own your first digital asset. And so a large percentage of our customers who are, are folks who are coming into this space and owning their first NFT and their first uh, digital asset, um, you know, of, of what will hopefully be a long journey. Scott, okay. Now I, this is what I we, I want to make a bundle of money here. So, <laughs> Lynchy, Scarlet, and I, and uh, we're going to do an NFT, and it's going to be the one where I'm in the baby Schnooks costume. So I'm in the baby <laughs> Schnooks costume, and we take this shot and we license it. And then someone says, "Did you get the baby Schnooks one with the bar and all the other stuff?" And the guy said, "Yeah, listen, I copied it from here or there." Well, that's a no-no because it's licensed. How do you crack down on people? who are trying to scam the system? It's definitely something that we uh, you know, think about and, and pay attention to. Um, one of the beauties of this space is that uh, creating an NFT is really easy. You, you could take that photo, you could mint it as an NFT, you could put it up for sale uh, and, and make it available. 
the, the challenge, as you point out, is someone could take that same picture, make a JPEG copy of it, and put it up as well. And so, you know, what, what has happened in the community, and we police it and our partners police it, is if there is a product out there that's unofficial, uh, you know, not licensed, um, a copycat, et cetera, we'll reach out to the platform uh, that's posting it, uh, or we'll reach out to uh, the place where it's made available for sale. And generally speaking, they're going to bring that down. That's not unlike, uh, you know, making copycats of, of uh, T-shirts or hats or anything else. This just happens to be digital rather than physical and, frankly, much easier to track down. So I like what you said about how creating the NFT is simple. Let's say there is massive demand for Bar, Lynchy and my NFT, and we decide to do a couple of them. And there's still so much demand that people are buying and selling. They're basically trading this NFT on your platform in your secondary marketplace. I know that when you were at uh, Fortress Investment Group, you were the COO of Liquid Markets, um, that part of the business. How do you ensure there's liquidity? How do you ensure that there are enough buyers and sellers matching up and there isn't an imbalance there? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, certainly with my background in financial services, I spent a lot of time thinking about you know how marketplaces develop. Um, the interesting thing about NFTs is because they are non-fungible, it's a different liquidity profile than something that's fungible, right? Bitcoin and Ethereum are fungible assets, dollars are fungible assets. And so liquidity there is important. Hmm. These are uh, NFTs are unique assets. So there isn't necessarily the idea of a two-sided market. They're available for sale and they're available, you know, people will pay what they think they are worth. And so our job as a marketplace provider is to provide information, provide transaction services, and make sure that the pipes run smoothly. But ultimately, it's the buyers and sellers who are going to decide whether something will trade or not trade and at what price. Scott, uh, this might be a loaded question. What did the pandemic do for the collectibles business? Uh, it turbocharged it. Um, you know, I, I think as people got their heads around the idea that they were going to be locked down for a while, uh, you found a lot of folks who made their way up to the attic or, or down to the basement dusted off what they had, took their cards out of boxes, uh, you know, opened up the internet and said, hey, holy cow, uh, there's, I've got something here that is actually worth something, uh, you know, qu- quite a bit more than I may have thought. And so um, there was an explosion in physical collectibles, uh, you know, particularly with the grading companies, the backlogs to get a, a physical uh, baseball card graded, uh, you know, went from weeks to months to almost a year. Um, and that was one of the things, frankly, that uh, drove more people to look into digital collectibles. They they kind of caught that bug again. They you know folks my age, uh, you know uh, in their in their forties and fifties who were active as kids who said, hey wait a second, I used to love doing that, and you know now there's this new robust marketplace across physical and digital. It kind of brought the excitement and that sort of childhood activity back for a lot of folks. Okay, Barr has a. Um a baseball card that he tucked away in a book a long time ago that his father threw out. Let's just say for some reason he managed to find that. Is there a relationship between the price of that card, that physical card, and these digital assets? I mean, what does that relationship look like, and and how do you see that playing out? Yeah, it's a great question. The answer is not yet. Uh, But certainly as we think about, uh, you know, creating digital assets, we, we are working with Major League Baseball to kind of look back historically and uh, you know, highlight some of the most important players in the game. Uh, some of those will be brand new digital collectibles based on, on those players, but there's also an opportunity to take 
some of those uh, physical collectibles and create a digital version of those. But that's uh, you know that's on the roadmap, not 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 available quite yet. I'm still mad as heck that my dad threw out my Bobby Orr hockey card. Oh, it was and, a hockey and, card. Oh, yeah. oh no! And, oh right. man! That, and, and see, karma is you know what? Because I always tease Lynchy about his story that he told <laughs> about his dad throwing out the baseball cards. I didn't share that story yet, <laughs> and then I just recently shared it, and I'm like, okay, here it comes. It's like it. I agree. I agree. I, I deserve every bit of this. So for me, it was comic books. I think we all have those yeah. stories. We certainly oh. do. What do your clients want, basically? They want a return on investment. They want the pure joy of just uh, owning something that's that's theirs, uh, that's that's part of a, something dear to them? Yeah, I, I, it's a little bit of both. There's no question that uh, the collector community is interested in, in getting things that have rarity structures and, you know, that they think are going to uh, potentially appreciate over time, you know, the same way people collect baseball cards or signatures and things like that. So, you know, that that extends into the digital space. Um, the other side of it is people who just love the, the kind of joy and, and experience of, of owning something new and having something that ties to, you know, the stories that they follow, whether that's the sport or the team or the player. Collection is really about identity, right? You know, why, why do I collect baseball cards or why do I have a signed jersey? It's because I'm telling my story about the sport that I love or the game that I was at with my dad or the player that I got a chance to meet or that I idolize. And so, you know, some of, some of our customers are really looking for, okay, how do these digital assets help me tell that story in a new and interesting way? And if you knew that the NFT business wasn't serious, it definitely is because T12 is now getting into it. <laughs> Tom Brady's NFT startup, he just got $170 million in Silicon Valley funding. It, it, it shows, Scott, that uh, this is going to be here to stay. This isn't some fad. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the amount of activity, not just in NFT creation and trading last year, but uh, in investment dollars, global investment dollars from the VC community uh, is really significant. So, you know, I, I think people ask, how big is this business? And it's hard to put a finger on because it's a, it's a brand new industry. But if you say, what's the market cap of culture? That's kind of a cheeky way to say, Ooh. you know, the, the, the idea of NFTs becoming pervasive across sports, across art, across music, across culture. Um, that's where we see the world going, and it's really exciting. But if the pandemic turbocharged sports collectibles and the industry there, do you worry that demand will start plateauing or even tapering off when we get to a more manageable stage of the pandemic? I don't think so. I, I, I think the pandemic was about people rediscovering physical collectibles, What's happening in digital collectibles is a, a much bigger change as people start to understand, you know, what, what, are, what are blockchain assets? Um, you know, what, what does it mean to have a unique ownership of a digital asset? And how does that not just function as a collectible, but function as a access token or utility token? So, you know, if you collect, a, you know, one of our candy collectibles, it isn't just going to look great on your phone or your computer. It may be that when you go to the stadium to watch the game, you get a unique opportunity because you're an owner of, uh, you know, of the, the Mets um, Stadium Series collectible. Or uh, at the beginning of the season, you have an opportunity to you know, buy a new NFT or, or win a new NFT because you've collected a certain number of players on a particular team. And so I think what people are excited about is the fact that 
this space isn't going to go away. The technology is really new, and it's just going to become more and more interesting over time. So if I got my hands on the Mickey Mantle 1952 rookie card, which sold recently for $5.2 million, and I took a picture of it with my phone, am I considered having a digital version of that card? You absolutely have a digital version, and you could, you could take 100 pictures and make 1,000 copies of them, but you don't have unique ownership of that image. You just have a copy of it. Same way if you go to the Louvre and you take a picture of the Mona Lisa, you've got a picture of the Mona Lisa, you don't own the Mona Lisa. And so what's, what's unique about NFTs is if you had turned that image and if it was officially licensed uh, by Major League Baseball and by Mickey Mantle's estate, um, if you turn that into a unique NFT, then you have verifiable ownership of that image. So that's the difference between a digital copy and the fact that the blockchain publicly will recognize and is verifiable that you're the owner of that image. Candy Digital, CEO of Scott Lawin. Thank you so much for joining us, sir. Absolutely. Have a great day. Appreciate it. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight, athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Scott Lawin, man, he is really a very interesting man. And listening to how he is bringing the NFT business to the forefront yeah, he explained it really well. I'm not sure I buy it completely yet in terms of I don't know if I see the utility or the value in having an authenticated version of the picture of you, Lynch, and me versus a picture of it on my iPhone, which I think is good enough. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I thought I might struggle during this interview here, and it really flowed very well. And I think that's thanks to Scott, who really explained things for us. Um, his business happened to be one of the beneficiaries, as he said, of the pandemic, that it, it was turbocharged. People, you know, were cleaning out their houses. They were home with nothing to do and just found all these valuable things, which they could turn into NFTs. You also wonder, though, I mean, and we asked this of him, when we get to the other side of this pandemic, or maybe there won't be another side, we just learn to live with it and things enter a new stage of new normal whether this will still be a thing or whether it will kind of die off a little bit, whether it's NFTs or anything else, or interest rates start rising and 
people start looking at different kinds of assets. Yeah, I, I think what really makes me think, wow, this is going to be around, is now when Tom Brady is getting in the middle of it, uh, it's like, well, wait a minute, this this has some significance here. And then Mark Cuban is like, hey, you know what? This is something that uh, I like. So I, I think yeah, it's going to be Yeah, but what athlete isn't getting into it? I mean, if you have a sizable number of athletes getting into it, everyone feels like they have to jump in and and, and capitalize on it as well. My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since the kids. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports, the number of the week. Well, 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 well. Time to break some hearts. It's time for the number of the week. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Come on, man. Let's go. Come on. Here I'm we go. I'm doing my boxer's shuffle, you know. All right. Uh, now, this one. Uh, involves uh, some news that's been taking place. Soccer investors are targeting Brazilian clubs because of local law changes, and a lot of people are looking at those soccer clubs. Now, uh, several days ago, Palm Beach, Florida investor John Texter, a digital entrepreneur, agreed to invest this in Rio de Janeiro's Botafogo, including the club debt. And to show you how much the fans loved it. They danced in the streets in the hope that that cash injection will bring a story team back to its former glory. I want to know what's that figure that John Texter invested in the team. This cash injection? Yep. And this would be in dollars, not reais. This would be in dollars. And they were how much debt is there? Can you, can you give us some context? Uh how long has this team been on the selling block? Or not even selling block. How long has it been in financial need? Are these questions allowed? Uh, yeah, think about it. Wait a minute, man. <laughs> so listen, I'm Mayim. stalling, I'm stalling. <laughs> so listen, Mayim, listen, I want to ask now. Is like, Can I use partial first names? I'm just waiting this? for Barr to give me some number. I, I will say this, that Texter owns an interest in Premier League team Crystal Palace. Okay. So I can tell you that about Texter also. Hmm. I'm going to say $55 million, but I think that's too much. Well, I'm going to uh, see your 55 and raise you $10 million. I'm going to go $65 million. Price is right rules, Lynchy. Got it. Oh, my but God. Let me tell you how far you guys are off. John Texter agreed to invest around $330 million oh. in oh, the gosh. club. Oh, I mean, okay. and you should, if there's a picture, if you can go, and of course, you know, we can go, if you have the terminal, this, see, this is me plugging the terminal, go to the terminal, and you can see the picture of the crowd and all the fans, like, who, yeah, and I see why for $330 million, so. Price is right <laughs> rules. Sorry about that, Scarlett. Oh, my, so my one week winning streak ended. <laughs> oh, well, listen. We got some lovely parting gifts. <laughs> this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Show. We are here each and every week at the same time. Plus, online, wherever you get your podcasts. Catch those Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. And I'm Scarlet Foo at Scarlet Foo. Come on, Scarlet. That's not the. the All right. I'm Scarlet Foo at Scarlet Foo. That's the energy we want. You know? I only missed it by that much, but still a winner. I'm Lynchy. Follow me at Lynchy WCBB. Lift in his voice. <laughs>
<laughs> Tune in again next week. Debbie <laughs> Downer <laughs> signing off. <laughs> hey, we got big moving stories, big money in the world of sports. You're listening to Bloomberg Business and Sports, Bloomberg Radio around the world. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Success is more than a destination. It's dedication, it's fortitude, and it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years, and it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all. All of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a Stiefel Financial Advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson. And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies? You get our way, a brand new show from My Heart Podcast, where we chop it up with our pals about everything under the sun. This is our podcast, and we're going to do it our way. Listen to Our Way on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.